645. Uh, one thing that we that I should mention even before I start is if you'd like to to follow along with the passages in the Bible, there's going to be a lot of them this morning. And so you might want to uh, grab your Bible or your phone or your iPad, whatever, whatever you prefer to use. The first one will be Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 28. We'll use that in just a moment to lead off the lesson. One thing I should have mentioned uh, uh, in the announcements, I was uh, emphasizing trying to attend the summer series, and I'm very hopeful uh, that you will be able to make it for that. But those things are on Tuesday night, beginning this Tuesday at 7 o'clock. We won't meet on Wednesday. We won't meet for our regular Bible study the, fo the following Wednesdays. So please keep... Uh, Please keep that in mind. We're glad everybody is here this morning. Thank you for coming out. Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 28. Jesus said there, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And that is the Lord's invitation, which we offer on the Lord's behalf every time that we meet. Whatever we assemble for, we always extend the Lord's invitation on His behalf. And that invitation is for everyone, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. There are really only two qualifications that are needed to be eligible for the Lord's invitation. One is, we must have reached what, what we always refer to as an accountable age. And the Bible does not give us a number. I think it's a different time for, for different people. It depends a lot on, on your level of maturity, how much teaching and training uh, have you had uh, uh, in the Scriptures? And so there, there's no number when we start talking about the age of accountability. But you need to be old enough and, and mature enough to understand uh, the Gospel, to understand the sacrifice Jesus made for us, and even more than that, I think, to understand the commitment that you are making when you obey the gospel and, and put on Christ in baptism. It, this is not a one-and-done thing. I, I think perhaps some people get it in their head that if I can just get into the waters of baptism, uh, I've, I'm, I'm finished there. I've, I've got it done. I won't have to worry about anything the rest of my life. Coming up out of the waters of baptism is very important, but that's the start line. It's not the finish line. It's just the beginning. We are making a lifetime commitment to try to practice the New Testament and do what God would have us to do. And so we need to be mature enough to understand the gospel and the commitment that we are making. The other thing is, we just got to be willing. After we hear the gospel, we understand it, we've got to be willing to be obedient to it. There, there's something for us to do. We have to be willing to obey 
the gospel, to put the New Testament into practice. And that's really all it takes. Those are the only things that are necessary to make you eligible for the Lord's invitation. There are not too many opportunities out there that are available to us all. You can't just just decide, I think I'm going to practice medicine. Becoming a medical doctor requires many years of study, many years of training, uh, and internship to, to be qualified to practice medicine. Just anybody can't do that. You can't decide, I think I'm going to teach biology at Sequatchie County High School. I'm going to teach mathematics at uh, BCHS. A degree from one of our colleges and universities is required. It is necessary in order to be able to teach those subjects in our school system. But for this, the Lord's invitation, no degree is necessary. No diploma of any kind is necessary. And if, if for some reason we are unable to read and study the Bible for ourselves, someone can help us. Someone can help us uh, study the Bible and help us learn what God would have us to do. Even at, at my age, I can remember a day when a, a large number of, of older folks really had, had very little opportunity to get much of an education. And it wasn't their fault because when they got up to any size at all, they were out in the fields working. They were in the logwoods. They were, they were uh, in the coal mines sometimes. I, I can remember men and women uh, who actually had been in that position when they were younger. And so if we, have, if we need help to read and study the Bible, someone can help us. I, I'm certain that in time past that has been done many, many times. And where we are on the so-called social ladder does not matter at all. Sometimes humans make the social ladder important to them. They, they, they make it important to themselves. But God does not have a social ladder. And so our, our yearly income, uh, the color of our skin who our family is, where we come from, none of those things matter at all with the Lord's invitation. The standards that many people use today to literally make their judgment of somebody else doesn't count at all with God. It doesn't matter at all. His invitation is for everyone. There are not too many chances out there that are open to everybody. But this one is. And after we obey the gospel, we become a a member of the church. We are still equal. There are are no social classes uh, in the church. And you might be thinking, well, that that kind of thing doesn't happen uh, in the Lord's church. You might be surprised to find out it was happening even in the first century. Way back in the very beginning, this very thing, congregations being divided along social lines, 
it was already happening then. In the congregation at Corinth, they were divided. They had divisions over, well, a number of things. But one of those things was social class. In fact, it was so bad, the Apostle Paul told them, you can't even take the Lord's Supper right because of those divisions. Let me, let me show you. It's in, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at what Paul says to them there. Look at verse 17. Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together not for the better but for the worse. That doesn't seem like that makes any sense. How could that be, Paul? Uh, first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you. That those who are approved, if you're one of us, you may be recognized among them. There, there were factions, there were schisms, there were, there, there were, there were groups. There were, they had their own little cliques uh, even there at, at Corinth. And that, that made it impossible for them to even take the Lord's Supper properly. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. One is hungry, another is drunken. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Now notice. Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? They, they were divided. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. That was a problem there at Corinth. And even James addressed this problem. Even James did. Look at, at James chapter 2. Over in James. James chapter 2, the first verse. James says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. And we can't do that. If there come into your assembly a man with gold rings and, and, and in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and you say to him, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you, you, you stand there or, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has, not, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He promised to those who love Him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well if you're doing that. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. That, that just can't happen. Uh, in the Lord's church. But it was happening even back in the early days. We must make sure it never happens to us at our congregation. James also tells us in James 4 and verse 10, he says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. A, a humble spirit is absolutely essential 
for a member of the Lord's body. Now, the Bible does give us a pattern for the leadership uh, in congregations. We see this in the Scriptures. And so we have elders, and, and we have deacons. But even these men must meet certain qualifications in order to hold those positions. And they are the leaders of each congregation. That is the New Testament way. We see it in the Scriptures. But even those men, those men who hold those positions, they must maintain their humility. In fact, Peter warns elders not to lord over their congregation. They must maintain their humility and be willing to listen to the thoughts and the feelings of their congregation. Let me show you a couple of passages. In Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Now, Paul here is writing in Galatians, and we're going to read in Ephesians, and, and Paul, the writer of both of these passages, he is showing us that we're all important. We're not, we're not divided along social lines or, or any other line. We're all one together. Notice what he says here in verse 26. For you are all the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Going to start reading at verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles and, and, and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. You need all of, all of those the people who have those abilities for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we no should no longer be children and, and tossed to and fro and, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Now verse 16 from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. There you go. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. All, all the parts of the body of Christ are needed for the body to work properly. I don't think that we say this enough. I'm going to say it right now. And, and really, this is my responsibility. I, I should say it more. And that is that the Lord's invitation is open all the time. 24 hours a day. 7 days a week. 365 
days a year, you can obey the gospel. Now, now I, I know as well as anybody that, that, that coming forward, large crowd of people, and we're singing the invitation song, and, and you're thinking about uh, coming down in front of all of those people, that, that, takes, that takes courage. You've got to be brave uh, to, to do that. And I promise you, if you're thinking about doing that very thing today, I promise you, if you want to come forward and become a Christian, we're going we're to give you a hug. We're going to shake your hand. We're going to pat you on the back and tell you how proud of you we are. That, that's what's going to happen if you want to come forward, and we hope that you will. But if you're thinking, I, I'd like to obey the gospel, preacher, but not in front of 200 plus people. Well, you don't have to. You can obey the gospel anytime, anywhere there is enough water for you to be immersed in the waters of baptism. And that is important. Uh, out in the old auditorium class uh, this very morning, we were reading from Romans chapter 6, where Paul talks about being, being buried in the waters of baptism. There's got to be enough water for us to, to immerse you for the remission of sins. But you can do that on any day. Not got to be Sunday morning. Don't have to be during the gospel meeting. You can obey the gospel any day. And it could be that there's someone special that you want to, to go into the water with you and, and help you. A relative, a, a close friend. That, that's fine and dandy. I think I speak for everyone here when I say, if you want to obey the gospel and become a Christian, we're going to find a way. <laughs> Whatever the circumstances might be, we're going to help you obey the gospel. Now Jesus said, you shall find rest unto your souls. We all get tired. We all get, we use the expression sometimes, Buck, we say, man, I'm just wore out. And it could be that that we might need to, to find a way to get a little bit of extra rest. Uh, Bobby Lloyd might need to come in out of the hayfield a little early someday when he gets really, really, really tired. Uh, we might need to get in bed just a little early, little more sleep. Uh, the medical folks tell us most of us don't get enough sleep. We not, might need to, to get in bed a little earlier. It could come to the point that we, we just got to get away. We just need a few days of, of vacation to, to rest and relax. But we can usually find rest for our body. Rest for the soul is harder to find. There's a passage that the psalmist writes in Psalms 38. Let me show you this. Psalms 38, the psalmist says, Lord... Do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me deeply. Your hand presses me down. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones. Why is that happening? Because of my sin. My iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they're too heavy uh, for me. My wounds are foul and, and festering. 
because of my foolishness. I'm troubled, I'm bowed down greatly, I go mourning all the day long. And the psalmist says all of that is happening because of his sin. His iniquities have, have put that heavy load on him, and he knows it. Jesus can lift that load off of us. Let me show you what Paul writes in Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5. And beginning down at verse 6. Paul says, When we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, it wasn't because we had earned it or because we deserved it, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, enemies in the sense that we were not doing what God wanted us to do, for if when we were enemies we were reconciled, brought back to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Jesus, Jesus can give us rest by by lifting that burden off of us and delivering us from condemning sin which can cause us to lose our soul. But the rest that Jesus offers us is conditional. We have to come on His terms. Jesus tells us in Luke 13 and verse 3, He says there, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. When I think about repentance, I always think about the prodigal son. You remember his story in Luke chapter 15. He, he got away from his father. He wasted his substance with, with riotous living. And, and he found himself in such bad circumstances, he was ready to eat with the pigs. But in verse 17 of that chapter, Jesus tells us that he, that he came to himself. He realized the, the situation that he was in. He was, he was down there with the hogs but he made a decision. I'm going to arise. I'm getting about the hog pen. I'm going to arise. I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to say, Father, I, I have sinned. And I have sinned. No more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. That's what repentance is really all about. We recognize that we're in the hog pen of sin. We come to ourselves we make the decision to get up out of the hog pen and go to the Father. That's, in a nutshell, that's what repentance is all about. Jesus also tells us in Matthew 10 and verse 32 that we must be willing to confess Him as the Son of God. Whosoever will confess me before men, Him will I confess before my Father in heaven. In Acts chapter 8, we have the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. The eunuch had been to Jerusalem to worship. He's headed home. He's riding in his chariot. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And the passage that he is reading is about the Messiah. 
Philip goes to him. And Luke tells us that he began at that same scripture and preached Jesus. The eunuch said, after a, after a while and a bit of studying, the eunuch said, well, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the good confession. In Matthew chapter 16, Matthew tells us that Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi as his disciples saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And their answer was, Some people think you're John the Baptist. Some people think you're Elijah or you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so Jesus asked them, Well, who do you say I am? And Peter's answer was, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the good confession that we must be willing to make. And then we must be immersed, immersed in the waters of baptism for the remission of our sins. At the end of that very first gospel sermon, recorded for us in Acts chapter 2, the audience asked the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And the answer was, Repent, repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. In Acts 22 and in verse 16, Ananias went to Saul of Tarsus and he said, Why, why tarriest thou? What are, what are you waiting on, Saul? Arise, be baptized, and wash away thy sins. If we want the rest that Jesus offers to us, our obedience is required. And so, this morning, we offer the Lord's invitation. Perhaps you have never obeyed the gospel. We just discussed these things that you need to do. Repentance of sins. Confessing the name of Jesus Christ. Immersion in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins. And as we, I hope, have made very clear, we will help you get that done. This very day, if you've made that decision. Perhaps you have obeyed the gospel at some point in your life, but straight away. If that is the case, if that is the case please repent of those things that caused you to stray and ask for the prayers of the faithful and be restored. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, please let it be known while we stand and sing.